Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1, we've been speaking about community, about our together. I don't think I've ever known a time in my entire short life, I don't think I've ever known a time when our society seems so divided across every kind of uh, imaginable uh, area of our world. People are taking sides in all kinds of ways. So let's read what the Bible's got to say about who we are when we follow Christ. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, that people that weren't followers of Christ, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts. Isn't it great to know that back before somebody made that a trendy, woke word, God was already talking about diversity. He says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given to each one of us, important phrase here, for the profit of all. So this morning, I'm going to set this up. We had a great water baptism, and so we've given time for that. I won't have so much here, but this is going to set a platform for tonight where I'm going to be speaking about unity, but I guarantee it won't be unity like you probably ever heard it before. And I think it's important not just for church life. I believe it's important we understand difference when it comes to our relationships. I heard the old joke years ago that marriage involves an aisle, an altar, and a hymn. And that thereafter it becomes aisle, altar, hymn. Yeah, that was a bit lame, really, but it sounds like Trevor Todd made that joke up, I think. But The reality is, if you don't understand difference and how it's meant to work, I was thinking the other day, if I was a sociologist, and I'm not, but if I was one, I would survey everybody, of course, but I would go back to the Old Testament and I would read all about how the children of Israel come out a mob and become a nation. Or I would go and study the book of Acts and the New Testament and see how God makes a people out of people that previously were unconnected. Because the Bible is not just about getting you to heaven. It's about helping you to become a part of a people on your journey to get there. Because when you get to heaven, there's not going to be a Roman Catholic section, an Anglican section, a Baptist section. The Pentecostals will be down the front. We know that. They'll be shouting and jumping. Well, actually, everybody will. 
but there won't be all those kind of sections. There won't be the African group over there, the Asian group over there, the Caucasian section. We will all be one body of people together. And so it's incredibly important in your workplace. I realise that a lot of stuff gets said today and I'm hoping to not provoke you, but to provoke you to think. I'd love you to be thinking about what your difference means and what it's for. So let's get into this because community around together is not about, according to that passage we just read, it's not about tolerating difference. It's not about accepting difference. That is what the world wants to tell you you've got to do. But actually, the Scripture says it's not about tolerating or accepting it. It's about embracing and celebrating difference as the way to greater things than could ever happen without it. Now, that's the complete opposite of what we see in so much of our world today where difference is the cause of much conflict whether in society generally or nationally or internationally or in the workplace or just family. But according to this passage here, and if I had time, I'd go back and read the whole lot to you again, the key to difference adding and not dividing is in recognition of our common purpose. We are told that there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every one of these different people in order that everybody profits from it. So the key to difference, adding and not dividing, is in common purpose. Difference has the power to bless when we agree on what our purpose is. Now, you don't have to live very long or look very far to realise that every one of us is created different. Every one of us is unique in every way. We are told by science, not only are our fingerprints completely different, no one else in the world has yours, that our voice print, that our retina scan... Is, I remember when I'd had a detached retina, I've had several retinal scans. And my goodness, when they put that thing on a monitor, you get to understand it's not one or two squiggly lines. It is absolutely the most amazing picture of colour and pattern. And everyone's is completely different to everybody else's on the earth. So you are unique. You are different. Every one of us, if we wanted to, could say, you know what? I'm just complete in myself. My difference is enough. I'm just going to live according to what I want and where I'm at. But where there is no agreed purpose, as we are discovering in our world, my difference becomes a distraction or even it can become division. And so instead of allowing me to find my unique place and where I can contribute the manifestation of the Spirit given to everyone so that all can profit, instead of that, I start finding all the reasons why I don't like you, 
all the reasons why your difference offends me, all the reasons why the fact that you uh, think a certain way is somehow or other means I can't walk with you. The reality is there is so much that we can all be against. But when t- people tell me what they're against, I usually stop and ask them, tell me what you're for. Our difference can become what we're against, the people that are like us. But the Bible turns it around and says, actually, your difference is planned because God has a plan. And the plan is that your difference produces something in concert with others that without the others, your uniqueness has no meaning. Tell me what you're for and then tell me what you're prepared to sacrifice in order to see it come to pass. I had a young man at Levers this week. I didn't know him previous to it. He said to me, you know, your church has a reputation. And we said, you're, he wasn't referring to, that it's mine, obviously. He's referring to the fact I'm a part of it, like you are. He says, your church has a reputation for not just talking about reaching others. Your church has a reputation for doing it. And he said, I'm amazed at this, this whole thing of leaders. He said, I, I'm flabbergasted. Young man, a young professional, who said, I can't believe what's happening here. I remember years ago, the South African Minister for Sport came with the Springboks to one of our evening services. I didn't know who he was. I figured he wasn't one of them because he wasn't eight feet tall and seven feet wide. Because trust me, they were the biggest people I've ever sat We didn't need to socially distance them in a row. They took up a whole row each. They were huge individuals. But this man comes to me at the end of the service and says, tell me how you do this. I still didn't know who he was. I said, do what? He said, I look around and so many people have so many different backgrounds. How do you do this? Well, no one ever asked me. It had never occurred to me to notice, to be quite honest. So I said to him, well, I guess is that what we are for is more important than any difference we have. And he thought about it for a minute, then told me who he was. He said, I'm going to take that back. Let me give you a couple of examples in the early church that have got a lesson for every one of us. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 tells us about a difference that arises. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. Never think that if God's moving, everyone's singing kumbaya and liking each other. Sometimes when God is moving, it means we notice things and we get upset. That's all right. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, the Greeks, all Jews, but Hebrew Jews and Greek Jews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. 
Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The same pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicolau, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests even were obedient to the faith. Just draw your attention a minute to the fact that the difference never stopped what was happening. They never said, oh no, we have to go back and rethink everything. These people encountered a difference. They never said, let's address the issue. Let's get down to the root of all this. They simply said, this is a speed bump, not a roadblock. I'll come out... Stick with me to the end. There are some things in your life, some things that might offend you, some things that are different. Not all of them. Hold, stay with me. But there are some things in your world that if you get God's perspective, you'll say that's a speed bump. It's not a roadblock. There are some things, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about conflict resolution as though every conflict ought to be resolved. And I say, no, it, it ought not. There are some conflicts you should just say, it's okay, let it go. You know what I mean? Jesus said, if you take, he talked about taking offence. You don't have to take every offence that comes your way. You know, if I Google me and I don't, but if I did, Someone told me once, God comes up and says this about you. And I go, so what? I'm not going to get offended over someone I don't even know. And I have no idea why they're even saying it. Why would I bother? I, you know, some people go looking for offences and they make every one of them, not a speed bump, but a roadblock. Now, I didn't say... That every time you get offended, you should just forget about it. Don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter. Let's go to Acts chapter 15. I hear you say, thank you. Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. In other words, here arises a conflict and a difference, and they say, time out. Stop everything. We're going to stop our work. We're going to stop our evangelizing. We're stopping our church planning because this one so impacts our purpose. Paul and Barnabas are reaching Gentiles, non-Jews, and these people are saying, the way you're doing it's wrong, and your purpose is out of kilter, and because of that, Paul and Barnabas say, hold on, when it affects my purpose, it's not a speed bump, it's a roadblock. All right? Ask yourself about the next offence. Does this affect my purpose or not? If the answer is no, then it's probably a speed bump. You should do whatever you can to resolve it, but stay on track. 
But then there are other things that are so fundamental to the call of God and to what God's asked you to do. You should create time out for that. You should stop. There was much dispute. Why? Because this one is not about, you know, widows being neglected in the daily distribution of food. This is the potential, this one, to totally change. What about all the churches that Paul and Barnabas have planted? And according to these people from Judea, they've now got to go back and tell them, oh, sorry, we forgot to tell you that the gospel requires the law of Moses as well. It's pretty fundamental. And so they stop everything while they go and resolve this one. In verse 11, we are told that they get reminded of their purpose by Peter, the bridge builder. Peter, the guy who opened up the door to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius, he's the one who stands up and says, you know what happened. You know how God poured out the Holy Spirit on those Gentiles and he never waited till they obeyed the law. It's obvious that the law of Moses is preached in every synagogue. If they need that, they can go and hear it there. But we believe that we should say to the Gentiles, the grace of God has come to you. And they sort it out as a church. Ask yourself, is this conflict, this difference, a speed bump where you adjust and move forward? Or is it a roadblock where you better stop and figure out what your purpose is? Find agreement and then move forward after that. In Acts 15, and we're told again in here, in verse 7, there'd be much dispute. Peter rose up. Gentiles should hear the gospel believe. Next verse, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as those people. The reality is that your difference is God-given in order for you to be a blessing. Now think about all the things that so many people wrestle over, whether it's in their marriage or whether it's in their family. You know, one person likes it done like that, one person likes it done like that. And so many people stop and that becomes a deal breaker in their life. The workplace, when it comes to our nation or the nations of the world. There are so many things that I ask myself, does this prevent my purpose or not? And I've got to be honest with you, I haven't encountered too many things in my life where I, the answer was, yes, this prevents my purpose. So I go, well, then praise God, let's just move on. Christian, don't buy into every difference that abounds around about you. Keep as paramount the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. Keep in your heart and mind, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. Don't allow your life to get bogged down in all the things that you're against. Now, hello, can I be this honest? Well, I will be anyway. There's a whole lot of stuff that irks me. Ask my wife. I get irked about a lot. You know, I read the letters to the editor and I mentally pen a reply to every one of them, usually beginning with, 
I'm not, not even sure I can say it. Ah, you bozo. But, but of course, then Jesus stops me from speaking like that about somebody else just because they've got a difference of opinion. Seriously. This is a, a message to make you think about. Because I watch people come to church and they're not this one, but they're looking for a church that looks like them. But what if God brought you here because you are different or you are unique? I thank God every day of my life for all the people here that love doing things that I hate. Seriously. Accounts. They love it. I watch Jesus sitting there in front of a computer screen from daylight through to dark. Her and Sarah. And I'm going, whatever. I can't work the photocopier. Shoot, go and ask Kate. I've got to go and say to Kate, can you, can you scan this for me? I don't know how to do it. And the truth is, a bit of it's learned helplessness. Truth is, I really don't want to know. I thank God, don't you? But see, when we come together, how does a church like this work? I'll tell you how it works. It works not because there's some great person up the front. It works because there's an army of people that say in their heart, I am going to bring my difference, my different gifts, my different perspective. I'm going to bring my different styles. But they don't matter as much as the purpose for which we gather. Pastor Hayden will remind you of, if you ask him about some of the arguments about red frogs. You know, some people thought it wasn't this enough or it wasn't that enough. But, you know, every single day this week, people came to Christ because of the people that went down, those 200 volunteers, they went, went down there and said, I'm here to serve Jesus. I'm not here to make judgments about whether they should, they shouldn't. That's disgusting, tut, tut, or that's bad. We are not going to let our difference, even of values, prevent us reaching people. Amen. I pray that every single one of us will have in our heart and in our mind that we're going to build around purpose and the difference then will find its proper place. You'll ask yourself, does this align with my purpose or is it a distraction? I'm not going to let it become a distraction because the next step after distraction is division. I think some people are going to be shocked when they get to heaven. See all the people different to them that are there. And if I was Jesus, I would put them right in the middle of them. But, but that, that may be just my naughtiness coming out. I love the fact that God's made us different. I love the fact that you've got unique talents and gifts. I realize we've got to move as one. I showed the little video clip last week. Go back and see it if you want on that service. In the morning service of the shoal of fish and the swarm of birds all moving as one. Why? Because they have one purpose in mind. They're looking for their next feed. They're looking for the place of safety. And their purpose is what gives them their unity. I pray that you will find a great place. I realize there's much to be offended about. I'm not diminishing that at all. 
I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying don't, don't let your offence take, take the place, place of your purpose. purpose. Let's, Let's pray. pray. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way you've made us. We thank you, Lord, that each one of us is created by you. Much of the way we are is the way you designed us to be. The personality, the giftings, the talents, where we are and where we live. You've designed us to be a part of reaching others for you. Thank you, Lord, that unity doesn't mean we leave our brain behind that we stop thinking and wrestling with issues, but Lord, that we keep purpose central in our life, what you've called us to do. Help us, Lord, to reach even more, many more. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. You know, for so many people, it's simply the fact that they started saying, yes, I see some of these people that got baptised earlier this morning. And I realise that for each one of them, no matter who they are, it started out with a simple yes. One of the people that got baptised, I'm not going to identify them as their private thing, but I remember the day their yes text came in. Why yes? I only know that because they told us who they were. I know that they began a profound journey with Christ from that moment. Today, they took the next step of getting baptised in water. But it didn't start with joining a church. It didn't start with a doctrine. It started with a relationship with Jesus. You can have that. Still, every time I get to this point, without fail, I get to this point... And part of me almost wants to stand back in awe that God has made it so simple. Part of me wants to go, really? I just say yes to Jesus? The Bible says, yeah. Jesus said, just say yes. He said, follow me. And they left everything and followed him. Some of you today have never encountered Christ in your life. You've never said yes to Jesus. You might have been raised in the church. You might go, I'm pretty good. I'm not a bad person. I don't hurt people. I love most people. But you know inside your own heart that that's not it. That's not enough. Religion is not enough. It's not filling that space in your life. You know that you need more. And then you hear this message here that God wants you to say yes to His Son. Why yes? Why don't you send it right now? 488 or sometime when you're a part of this service, whenever it may be. You might want to go and think about it and kind of sometime this week, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that line's open. If you're in Australia, 488 If you're outside of Australia, you might want to go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Give us your yes there. Now, we don't harvest your details. We aren't forming a mailing list. Nothing like that occurs. The purpose of this is simply this, that we want to help you continue to grow. So that's why the next day, if you give it to us on a phone number, or if you give it to us at that web address, you'll get it via email every day for 30 days. 
you'll get a scripture fits on one screen of the smartphone, along with a prayer, all on just one screen. Comes from us, not from somewhere else. It's us saying we're praying for you. We love you. We're excited about your journey with Christ. We want to help you go the next steps. I pray you'll do that. I really do. I pray you'll open your heart to Jesus. Yeah, you might say, but Jeff, you don't understand how wrecked my life is. You don't understand how many mistakes I've made, how screwed up I am. You don't understand. I'm not even sure I can think straight. And I'd say to you, why don't you say yes to Jesus, the Saviour and the Healer. He'll come into your life and begin to unravel the tangled mess. He'll start saving you from that moment. Start building your life. Father, we thank you again. We can never thank you enough. Those of us, Lord, that said yes to you recently or in years gone past, there isn't enough trial to come our way, enough pressure, enough temptation, enough anything to make us regret the moment we said yes to you. We are so grateful. Our life is different because of a yes. Thank you for the people that are saying yes today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.